0: Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul, deep, emotional, and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and today I get to chat with one of my favorite Bible study writers, Becky Harling. I love her because she has a solid understanding of Scripture, a deep reliance on the Holy Spirit, a personal understanding of how debilitating anxiety and fear can feel. And she writes with transparency and vulnerability that really it's like you feel like you're getting a, a hug as you read her as you read her content. And in this episode she's going to be discussing her latest release, Our Father, a study of the Lord's Prayer, and how truce within this prayer, can help us fight our fears and live with increased peace. Becky, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jennifer. Well, first of all, Becky is my leadership and writing coach, which has been super helpful. She's also a gifted speaker who continually draws God's people into a deeper experience with Him. She has a degree in Bible literature, and she's a certified coach with the John Maxwell team. She helps those looking to move beyond their personal obstacles to live life intentionally with purpose and passion. She offers mastermind classes and seminars on leadership, communication and personal growth. And in addition, she offers personal coaching for those like me looking to grow emotionally, professionally or spiritually. And you can catch her on her website, Becky dot com and on her podcast, The Connected Mom. She's also the author of numerous books, including one of my favorites, The Extraordinary Power of Praise, which we discussed here on the Faith Over Fear podcast in an episode titled Fighting Anxiety and Fear Through Praise, which dropped on November 15th. Did you realize it was that long ago? No, November 15th. Oh, no, I didn't. 2022. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly encourage you to do so. Well, Becky, as I said, you you really are one of my absolutely favorite Bible study writers for all of the reasons that I mentioned and more. And I loved your latest study on the Lord's Prayer. And you begin, you begin by discussing potential struggles regarding seeing God as Father. And I, I know you actually struggled with that for a while, correct? Yeah, I definitely did. So I met Jesus as a very little girl
1: and I fell in love with Jesus, you know, and I know for sure I met him. I remember giving my heart and life to Jesus at like three years old. I talked to him all the time. But I had this huge disconnect with God the Father because in my mind, he looked a lot like my father. And while my father was in ministry, he was emotionally distant and he was emotionally, physically and sexually abusive. And so it was really challenging to separate, you know, this father who would preach Jesus on Sunday but was sexually abusing me during the week and and that had the direct impact on your view of God as your father. And so I I had this big disconnect in my heart like okay, I love Jesus, obviously, I know he's God, but I need to make peace with God the Father. And I feel really afraid of him. And so it was a long journey for me, Jennifer, to find healing from that. So even though I taught on the love of God and spoke on the love of God, I wasn't really feeling it. And it wasn't until I began to discover, hey, I have a lot of work to do regarding my past and finding healing. And then more work to separate my earthly father from my heavenly father. But as I did that, I grew at rest with being with God the Father. And I realized how much he loved me. I remember one time being in a hotel room on my knees, just, you know, worshiping and saying, God, I want to trust you as my father, but it's so hard and just really weeping before him. And, you know, he spoke to me. He doesn't always speak to me in a vision, but He gave me a picture that day, and it was of him holding that little girl Becky on his lap. And God the Father was weeping over me as I was weeping. And I realized for the first time that God the Father was not on my earthly father's side as far as the abuse. Certainly, he loved my earthly father, but he wasn't for the abuse. He says, that, you know, which of you as fathers, if your son asks him for a fit or for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Well, if a stone represents emotional coldness and a snake represents abuse, I had both of those. And yet God delights in being our heavenly father and giving us good
0: gifts because he wants us to trust him. I love that you actually went to him directly. I mean, and I, I am sure you had other ways that you healed from right. from your past. Oh, definitely. But I love that you said, God, I want to trust you. I want to experience you more deeply. And then he met you in that place. So I think that's really beautiful.
1: Yeah. Well, and God loves to meet us. I think when we're when we dare to be authentic and honest with him, he responds to that. You know, we can't we can't fake it before God. You know, I always tell people, like, He knows what you're thinking anyway. You may as well tell him, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, because he can see all of that. So when you come before him and you're trying to act all holy and like you got your act together, that's not what he wants. He wants you to come as his child and bring your whole self to him.
0: So why is that so important? I know you discuss a lot in your in your study and you encourage the reader to really be vulnerable and authentic with God. And, and I hear what you said, like he knows anyway, but why is that so important when it comes to our experience of him?
1: Well, because we can't experience intimacy with God unless we're real with God, right? So the problem that the Pharisees had that Jesus called out in them was that they were hypocrites, right? They were trying to make their prayers and, you know, prayer... It's just a conversation with God. But they were trying to make their prayers like mini sermons, you know, like, oh, holy God, you know, and on and on and on. And some of you have probably heard prayers like that in church. But God loves the prayers where we're down on our knees saying, God, I am a hot mess today. I am upset over this. I'm anxious over that. I just need your love today. Or Lord, I just really love you today because you gave me that tree out in front of my house. You know, he wants that intimate conversation with him and he wants us to be real with him, you know, because he's not about being emotionally distant to us. I think a lot of us perceive him that way, you know, because certainly there's the holiness of God, but the whole reason God sent Jesus was so we could know him up close and personal. You know, I, I, and I, I, I love to think back on Adam and Eve in the garden before they sit, you know, it, it, scripture alludes to the fact that God would come and walk and talk with them in the evening, right. Before sin. Don't you wonder what they talked about? I mean, they didn't have any problems or anything. Probably chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> wow. God, you did such a great job the <laughs> yeah. fruit tree or whatever, you know, but it was a conversation because God wants intimacy with us. And we
0: cannot have that unless we're real. I also love how you recognized what, what I heard you saying is that you recognized you were not experiencing God's love. And so it, it sounds like you recognize, okay, I know in my head, at least in scripture, God is love. Therefore, there must be some disconnect. So let me kind of get to the root of that. Is that kind of what you, you were saying? Exactly. Because, you know, I grew up in a culture of Christianity
1: where it was all about, like, you can't trust your feelings, you know, and so you just got to know in your head that God loves you. Well, I knew in my head, but I wondered, like, does he want me to feel his love? Of course he does. You know, what kind of father that really loves his kids doesn't want them to really feel his love? So I really, I had to look at, okay, there's this disconnect in my heart between my head and my heart. You know, it's almost like I felt like, Okay, God loves me because he's under contractual agreement to do that, you know, because the word says he loves me, so he has to love me. But am I a pain to him? Am I annoying to him? No, God delights in me. He loves me categorically, and he wants me to feel that love. And he wants you to feel that love because that's that's
0: why he sent Jesus. Speaking of that, so you, in your study, you talk about the cost of adoption, So of of God adopting us into, and so for those who maybe who don't are, are kind of new to scripture who haven't read about adoption, but scripture tells us that in Christ through faith in him, we are adopted as, as God's beloved child. And, and that to you really has deep meaning, correct? Yeah, it does. Cause
1: okay. So we have this little adopted grandson. He is adorable and. Yet in order to adopt him, our kids had to raise a lot of money. So I remember they, you know, applied for grants for adoption. They ran, you know, a lot of fun game nights to raise money all towards their adoption. And when we finally met that little boy, I mean, our hearts just fell in love with him. And then our our son gave, so our adopted grandson's name is Zachary, and our son-in-law gave him his name as his middle name so that Zachary would know he belongs to Chris. And they don't love Zachary any more than their, or less than their biological children, you know, because he's precious to them. So the correlation to being adopted in God's family is amazing because in Romans, it says we are adopted into God's family. He gives us his name. He gives us his righteousness, and he calls us his beloved children. And then, being in a family, we have belonging and we have a place of secure attachment. And that's what I love. You know, if you know anything about adoption, adopted parents are always concerned about, okay, is this child going to attach? And so there's a lot of things you can do right in the beginning to help your child achieve that attachment. Well, a lot of us are kind of like that with God, right? But we have secure attachment with God. In fact, that Old Testament word for loving kindness, the everlasting loving kindness of the Lord. So that's from the Hebrew word hesed. And yes, it means eternally loving, but it implies a secure attachment. In other words, the father holds us secure. And just like my little grandson can be naughty sometimes, that doesn't make his parents love him any less, right? And it's the same with us. We have that secure attachment with God as our father.
0: Yeah, you talked about the this family that he adopted us into, and and so yeah. how does that? How can this interconnected living? How can that help us in our healing journey, in our our sense of peace, our confidence, our calling, our life? Well, okay, so here's the thing: when you are
1: adopted into a family. You are really part of that family. When you're in a family system, there's responsibility in the family, right? And so, you know, maybe your job for your kids is you got to take out the garbage or maybe you got to clean up your room or make your bed. I don't know. Whatever the family responsibilities are, you're, you're part of a family. Your job is to love others in the family and support them. And so it comes with that responsibility. The same holds true in our Christian walk because we're adopted into this family and that comes with responsibility. And here's the thing. God designed us for community. He never meant for our spiritual journeys to be walked out in isolation. And when we do isolate, there's a drastic increase of loneliness, anxiety, fear, and depression. And that's because we weren't made that way. You were made to connect with other people. So as you are in community, if you're really living in community with other people, you can have honest conversations like, hey, Jennifer, today I'm really struggling with anxiety. Will you be praying for me? And maybe it's like you coming to me and saying, hey, Becky, today's really a hard day. Will you just cover me in prayer today? We are meant to do our Christian journeys together. You know, we're to be connected to God and to each other because we're part of the family. How does that impact our experience of God's love? Oh, it impacts it hugely because we feel love from God, not only when we're in deep places of worship, but we also feel God's love through other people. You know, when you get a nice hug from a good friend, you feel God's love in a different way. Or if you are in a community group and you're having a rough week and your community group
0: decides they're going to bring you meals or they're going to shower you with gift cards, you feel God's love through them. I also think, too, you know, reading your your study and you sharing your story about your disconnect with God, that that can also help in in my perspective When our perspective has become off or skewed because of past hurt or and it can help us kind of call us to life, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. But it only happens as we're authentic and real with each other. And so as we're authentic and real, we can steer each
0: other back towards our father's love. Now I want to shift, actually, because I I loved your emphasis on worship. And I know that about you. Like, I just know that is how you like are lit up and that's how you gain the most confidence over your fears. And so how does that, our commitment to worship, whether we feel like it or not, how does that impact our healing, our anxiety level, our emotional and spiritual wellness, like everything that makes our soul whole? Yeah, it's hugely impactful because
1: you cannot really worship the Prince of Peace without experiencing his peace you know and God invited us to worship him because he want he knows that in worship and as we praise him we're changed and so as we are worshiping him the holy spirit calms our anxiety you know there's a shift in our thinking as we worship him we shift from focusing just on the problems onto God's almighty nature. You know, we were at a soccer game yesterday afternoon for some of my grandkids and one of our good friends, they couldn't find their little boy all of a sudden. And parents were terrified, understandably so, right? And basically he was just hiding in the trees, but they didn't know that. So we were all searching for him.
0: Yay, I did so good. (laughs) Right,
1: right. right. I had the best hiding place. But anyway, (laughs) You know, as we were talking with our friends later, I said, you know, the, the worst part about this is anxiety often comes at night, right? And you're going to think, Oh, this could have happened or that could have happened. But if you switch your focus and you begin to praise God, there's actually a shift in our brains that happens. And so our brains are designed so that we can't hold anxiety and praise at the same time. So as you shift from your anxiety to praising God for who he is, There is a peace that the Holy
0: Spirit will pour out over you. That's beautiful. So speaking of shifting our thoughts onto God, who he is, his truth. So in week two... You encourage your readers to reflect upon their life, to make a list of the sins that God forgave them from, tragedies that he had rescued them from, and healing that he accomplished in their lives. So those three, I think those were the three things you really encourage them to focus on. So how can that practice, if we make that a practice, how can that help us experience increased confidence and freedom?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, it helps you to fall more in love with Jesus because you realize, wowzers, he's healed me from a lot. He has forgiven my sins. He has healed me. He has redeemed my life from the pit. And as you focus on that, it does translate into more confidence as you walk into the future, because there's this thing called the worship of remembrance. Uh, As you remember what God has done in the past... It gives you more confidence to trust Him in the future. Trust is a a wonky thing, I think, because we want to trust. But really, when you're trusting God, you're at rest with Him. You're at peace with Him. You're relying on Him. You just know He's got it. But to get there sometimes is a big leap for us. As we look back and see all the ways He's met our needs in the past, we can trust Him with confidence for the future because we know, okay, we've come this far. He's held us all this time. He's
0: not going to let us go now. I want to camp on that for me. You said it can be a big leap for us. I want to speak to those who maybe are just starting their faith journey or their healing journey. For you, it was really a journey, right? It wasn't like you woke oh, yeah. up one day and you're like, okay, I know God's amazing and I trust him and I love him, to where now I would say you, you're you really in tune with him, right? So. What would you say to the person who says, you know, I just, that is just way too huge of a leap for me.
1: Learning to trust Jesus is a, is a baby step by baby step journey. It's particularly if you are dealing with trauma in your background or hurt in your background, all of us are dealing with some kind of trauma or hurt. I'm convinced of it. And so sometimes we have to look back at that trauma to understand where the root of our anxiety comes from. And then we invite Jesus into that to heal that, right? But it's a journey. It de- It doesn't happen overnight. There are mornings where I wake up even at this age and I think, okay, why am I not walking in perfect sync with the Holy Spirit yet? But it's a gradual transformation that happens in our lives. And it won't be until we get to heaven that we are fully complete and fully healed. So there's always a little more healing that God wants to do, you know? And so as we take those baby steps with him, Lord, I surrender to you. I want to walk in sync with you. I want you to fill me with your spirit. Heal me of the hurt that I experienced back there. Show me what forgiveness looks like. All the things. And as we
0: continue on that journey, gradually trust begins to develop. I'd like to think of that in, in terms of kind of like this spiral, upward spiral. So how does our understanding, like developing an accurate view of who God is, impact that trust? But then also the other way, how does our trust help impact an accurate view of God? Like, are those two interrelated?
1: Yeah, they are. And so I I think sometimes we have to be careful because we're living in a day and age where different sectors of Christianity are a bit polarized, right? And so we think, okay, I have all my theology straight and yours might be a bit askew. So my job is to fix your theology. And I don't see that anywhere in scripture, right? So it's a journey that Jesus invites us to, to get to know God more and more. As we are getting to know him more and more, we experience him more and more. And so the two feed each other. And And as we get to know him more and more, and we experience his grace, we understand who he is more and more. And that's where theology really comes from
0: which reminds me of your quote. So in week three, you wrote, speaking of as you get to know God more and we trust him more and then we experience him more. So you wrote, God's will for you is an expression of his love for you. I'm going to say that again because I think it's so, so beautiful just in that trust journey. But you, you wrote again, God's will for you is an expression of of His love for you. So why is that so important for us to really hold on to, maybe put a sticky note on our desk or on our computer or on our mirror, when we are facing challenging circumstances or maybe when obedience feels really terrifying? Why is it so important to remember that?
1: Because for starters, the whole journey to follow Jesus is a journey of surrender. And so that week three comes out of, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done and that's a bold prayer because sometimes we want to say, my kingdom come, my will be done. But Jesus is inviting us to surrender to his will. And so it's important that we understand if we're going to surrender to his will, if we're going to ask for his kingdom to come, we we have to understand that he loves us deeply and that everything that will come from his hand comes from a loving hand and not a vicious hand or a vengeanceful hand or a hand that's going to smack you because you didn't do it right. It's a hand of
0: love. And so his will for us is always grounded in his love for us. That actually reminds me back. I'm, I'm going to take a back. I don't remember what week this was when you, it was your adoption, when you, when you wrote about the adoption into God's family and yeah. you talked about that coming at a very high cost. To both God the Father and God the Son. So expand on that a bit.
1: Yeah. So just like I mentioned before, you know, with our kids, they had to raise all this money to do the adoption. Well, adoption is always costly, right? And so it costs the father because he had to give up his son. And it costs the son because can you imagine Almighty God becoming an infant baby? I mean, that's so crazy, You know, only God could come up with an idea like that. And then, you know, Jesus grows up in this human body. He's bound by a 24-hour daily span of hours. You know, he has to sleep. He he needs to eat all these human things. And then to culminate everything, he goes to the cross, which is the most excruciating of all deaths ever recorded in human history. And why? He does that because he loves us. And so once he has accomplished that on the cross, the punishment for our sins, and then he comes back to life, now we are invited into this family with him. But it was costly. I'm reminded and of it's that. Like, it's good to reflect back on the crucifixion. Every yes. we get so used to it,
0: you know, where it's like, oh, we do that on Good Friday and then, you know, we're over Yeah. It yeah yeah or think it was for everybody else, but not for us. Yeah. I think sometimes that can right. be a challenge too. and I love that yeah. verse that talks about how he who did not spare his own Son will he not lovingly give us all things as well, which kind of mirrors yeah. what you're saying, I think, yes, yes, I love that too. You see Jesus' instruction, so when he says we've come to see him as coming to trust him and and this adoption in our into God's family, and then you shift to give us this day our daily bread, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you really expand on that. So you're not just talking about, hey, I want a sandwich today when you say pray for your daily bread, correct? Yes, yes. And I titled that week, Ask Audaciously, because I think
1: sometimes we think, okay, I can ask God for certain things, but I can't ask him for everything, you know. But again, he's that loving father who delights to give us good gifts. So our daily bread are our daily needs. And maybe your daily bread today is to feel loved. Maybe your daily bread today is for God to heal your marriage. Maybe your daily bread today is for wisdom for your kid. Or maybe your daily bread today is just how to love your neighbor more intentionally. And so our daily bread looks differently every day. And so we are invited to bring that request before the Father as a loving Father, you know. And we're invited to be persistent about it. That's what I love. As human parents, we sometimes get annoyed with our kids when they're too persistent, right? But God never gets annoyed with our persistence.
0: He invites us to keep coming. And I, I love that about him. What I heard and what you just said and to repeat it for our listeners to really hear the emphasis on going to God with our needs yeah. for love, for security, for peace. I don't think that's often natural. Like for me that I want to do better, but I often will go to everything else first, which doesn't work. And then I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm lonely or whatever it is I'm thinking. I mean, you think about your relationship with your
1: kids, you know, so I, I, in this season of life, I'm in a delightful season. I have 14 little grandkids. When they're staying with me and they come and they say, Hey, Mimi, can I have ice water? I delight to give them ice water, right? Because I want them to feel like their needs are met. You know, if we're at Target, um, you know, true story, and they say, <laughs> Well, I really need this toy. I delight in getting them back, sometimes to my detriment. But God <laughs> delights to give his children good things. Now, that doesn't mean if you're listening to this, oh great, I've been wanting a Tesla, you know, I'm for that Tesla and he's going to give it to me. That's not what it means. It just does mean though that your father in heaven delights to hear your voice. He delights in your persistent and he delights to
0: give you what is good for you. And he, you can trust him to do that. It's beautiful. And I, I think that's a great place for us to end this discussion on. So if you haven't, if you haven't picked up her study yet, it's Our Father, a study of the Lord's Prayer. And like I said, I worked through it. It's it's phenomenal. And especially for our listeners in particular, because so many of our listeners are coming here because of fear and anxiety. And and Becky, that's something you do really well in all of your content, mm-hmm. is helping listeners find tools that they can actually grab hold of scriptural tools to, to find increased peace. So I love that. I'm going to read the, the back a bit. So everyday Christians around the world recite the Lord's prayer, but could we drink more deeply from this sacred gift? Becky Harling th- thinks so. After immersing herself in the Our Father prayer, she has found herself more deeply and profoundly in love with Jesus and passionate about following him. So, this is a six week Bible study. She shares six life changing invitations that Jesus offers through this prayer knowing God is Father. Worshipping him, surrendering to him, asking audacious—that probably is my favorite. I love, I love that so much. Finding freedom through forgiveness. Some of you might want to take a couple of weeks and work through that one because I think it's a really important and and powerful life changing one. Living victoriously, which is kind of the, the culmination, I think, of it all. So, thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing your insights with us. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. I loved it. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And we have some discussion questions actually in our show notes. Gather people around and just talk through those and see what happens. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production
1: of Life Audio and Salem Media.